born ready. Right, I've pressed the record button this week. Good to see you all, by the way. It is true. It is good you to see you everyone. Time. All right, we ready? Went for a run today. You're an, you're an athlete. But we did an extra running. <laughs> Time to shut up. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this, the latest episode of the Ian Prendercast, another Carlton podcast brought to you as always by the good folk at MGA Traffic, your one-stop shop for traffic, transport and waste. They are still in business, Fabian. You are still taking clients. We are still taking clients. Um, business is slowly but surely uh, picking up. Um, I think we all went through a bit of a, a lull during the uh, uncertain times of old COVID, old mate COVID, but um, we've all moved past COVID now, so... Um, the bottom line is, if you need a roundabout, if you need some traffic done, if you need some waste disposed of... You need some sign. need, need some, some signage. That'll, that'll fix you up. <laughs> so that is, of course, uh, the big Faber Ganoush. She sat in my new car and moved the seat. I'm surprised you didn't fiddle with the radio whilst you were in there. How have you been otherwise? Uh, I have been... Oh, of late, I was about to say I've been well. I've been well this week. I actually haven't had a good couple of uh, good months. It's been just done well, but, um, you know, I bought a Saturday Gussie. What can we... Uh, Welcome return of football means hopefully a welcome return to a little bit of normality for both people in general and my health. And the podcast. And the podcast. In that order. In that order. The podcast. The, and of course, uh, Timbo and I were having a discussion offline about uh, the font size of our logo, Sean, that uh, I think we should have it altered. What do you mean? You're not another one of those arseholes on about the font, are you? It's happening, <laughs> it's happening a lot lately. <laughs> Apparently, other podcasts, uh, the other other logos, other podcasts, submissions with the uh, the thickness of some. We font. were we were going to get to that. We will get to that shortly. But before we do, right we're of course joined by Dr. Tim Davis. He's used the downtime between pods to work on a vaccine. He's ready for human trials. How are you? <laughs> I am excellent. Thank you very much, Sean, and thank you for recognising my hard work to society. Well, someone needs to. <laughs> someone needs to because you know if the World Health Organization are going to continue to ignore you. This will go on you know, much longer than it needs to. Well, I would love to be the man that would solve the world world's ills, but I'm not quite <laughs> sure I'm as equipped as I'd like to think that I would be. We'll start... But I'm sure I'd have a good crack at a diagnosis as needed. <laughs> we'll start with trying to solve the Carlton Football Club's ills and then we'll move on to COVID. Uh, of course, you can find us on Twitter. and We love it when people do get in touch. Fab is found at Fabiano underscore G7 Timbo is at Hoff47, and I'm Sean Peterbudge, all one word. Shoot us a tweet, have a chat. We had some really good uh, correspondence over the last day uh, with regard to the Prenders, um, which sort of look run and one, you know, in relatively straightforward fashion, of course. Uh, Jacob Wiedering um, will take home the maximum 12 votes, so just refreshing people in the Player of the Year stakes. Uh, Tim, Fab, and myself do a 3 2 one So obviously, max number of votes you can get is nine. Uh, and then the fans, uh, you all get to do a three-two-one, which is then aggregated. Uh, Weedering has absolutely shit that in, so uh, he'll take home twelve votes for t- uh, yesterday's game. Um, Mark Pittnett currently sits in second uh, with Sam Doherty in third on that list, so they look like they'll be the top three there. Um, which gives, as things stand, Weedering um, a pretty handy break. To be honest, he he moves on to seventeen votes, which is a full nine votes ahead of. Um, Patrick Cripps, who obviously didn't poll from yesterday's results. So 
Wittering's early season form's been rewarded, and we'll get back to that, I'm sure, as the pod goes on. Um, elsewhere, um, Michael Gibbons' goal in the last quarter heads up the goal of the week. That's sort of sort of pretty close. Mitch McGovern's team goal is the other one in the running there. Yeah, that, that was my vote. Yes. Team goal from uh, which led to... It's, it's more... The goal was nice, but the, the, mark, the fact that it was all fluid and it was a leading out mark and full forward, it was just nice. It was just a nice bit of play. We actually looked like we'd played football at any time in the previous, you know, couple of weeks in the build-up. Uh, and then in the mark of the week stakes, um, not you know any absolutely outstanding grabs to speak of, but uh, Samo, um, just being man in front, leads that one uh, pretty close, actually. Um, I think it's him and, him and Cripps' mark uh, in the last. So uh, they close sort of at midday tomorrow, which will be today by the time you listen to this. So if you haven't voted, do so. Um, but obviously keep a lookout in weeks to come. Um, the other thing to give a plug before we get into the nuts and bolts of what's been happening um, recently and what happened yesterday, uh, Game of Rivals, we put out a video on YouTube. If people haven't seen it, it's very easy to find us on our YouTube channel, which is just the Prendercast. Uh, effectively, it's just a look at our rivalry with Collingwood. Um, so if you haven't seen that already, definitely give that a look. It's um, a bit of fun to pass the time more than anything else. Has it been taken down from streaming services, Sean? Just to put a bit of a disclaimer for the Collingwood supporters who might stumble across it. Yeah, I think the BBC stripped it. They took it down. Uh, Netflix <laughs> edited it out. They edited out certain clips, just two-second clips like they did with Back to the Future. They just edited out, like, inconsequential <laughs> parts of it uh, just to make sure it met uh, current societal standards. Very good. <laughs> um and then elsewhere, obviously, we've launched a new show, the Prendercast Network. It's just got a pop culture show with myself and a friend of mine, Will. So you can find that, obviously, on our uh, podcast feeds. It's just called the Weekly Watch List. So that was what Fabian Who's was alluding to. Essendon, unfortunately. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, we won't, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we won't be having Will on anytime soon. Uh, no, no, we won't. Unless he, we're watching the 99 prelude. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he's, he's a nice guy, but he's, he's also a scumbag. So um, he won't be featuring yep. anytime soon. Um, before we get into yesterday's match, it was probably good for us to just do some housekeeping and around the grounds type stuff of what had happened in the interim. Um, obviously, the boys came back to training and, and from all reports and, and from what we were uh, shown by the club's media team, it all looked relatively smooth sailing, which was refreshing. Um Updates on the injury front, obviously uh, it's been revealed Nick Newman sadly will miss the remainder of the season. Um, the pretty serious injury, we've had a rotten run of luck with these patellas, we, we didn't seem to have one forever, and then um, now we've had three in as many years, so that's just a, a rotten run for uh, the club, and obviously those players individually, um, Jared Pickett of course, Charlie Curnow more recently, and then Nick Newman yesterday, so uh, best of luck to Nick with his recovery, we won't see him again till next year. Um but I suppose it's, it's a good opportunity then for a deputy to step up in his place, isn't it, Tim? Uh, very much so, absolutely. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's a guy that has added a lot for us since his arrival, but I, I guess most of the um, the really close followers of the, the Carlton Footy Club are probably immediately looking to um, Tommy Williamson to be able to get back and play a very similar role. So if, if, that's, um, if that's what it affords us, then you get to see him playing his best attacking physical brand of football will bring it on. Obviously, elsewhere, uh, Zach Fisher's ankle didn't quite allow him to get up for this week, but they said he was relatively close. He, he seemed to be knocking on the door, but just ran out of time more than anything else. He, I think he's early on, he wouldn't have been helpful when we were just getting absolutely monstered. 
But as the game sort of broke open and we got on top, that run and carry would have been really helpful. We just didn't quite have the, uh, I suppose, enough numbers with enough leg speed to really take advantage of the space that had opened up as the game went on. So fingers crossed he'll be available for this week, if not um, before this first block of matches. Um, Marchbank's obviously the interesting one from us or from our point of view, both in terms of where does he fit uh, into the current 22, and then more importantly, we, we sort of just need him to get a bit of good luck, get a bit of a run um, when he can play four, five, six-plus weeks of solid footy uninterrupted. Uh, he's got some bone bruising. Um, he was always unlikely for this week, but fingers crossed he'll be um, you know, free to figure as the weeks go on. Uh, Matty Cruiser is set back free as of this moment, which is unbelievably encouraging. And I'm not going to lie, with our run of luck, a surprise. Um, so fingers crossed again, we'll see him before the season ends. Uh, and then your man, Timbo Brody Kemp, uh, is apparently training the house down, doing everything right. Um, unlikely he'll, we'll see him this year, but um, his his preparation should be unhind- unhindered for 2021. Well, I think it's just fascinating, isn't it? You go, you get a kid like that, if you're flying as a team, you think, well, why risk him and bring him in? If you haven't been going great as a team, it might be an opportunity to blood him, but equally, why risk it if it's not going to change that much? But if we're there or thereabouts and, you know, I guess it's the old sort of thing. If you give him the chance to be able to play any sort of football and he does well enough, well, you might expose him at the highest level. But we've got time enough to be able to assess that and, Hopefully everything's going well, and it can just be you know, uh, you know the the old red shirt in the um, the NCAA high school style of um, of sport where he just gets to um, get through an injury year and be ready to play um, year two. I'm pretty open. Is anyone? If sorry, sorry, sorry I'm, I'm, I don't know if you share my view, Philip. I'm pretty open minded. If he's in a position where he can play, if he's done his rehab, and the risk is assessed as well. You've done everything you need to do. You've completed the checklist that is an ACL recovery. Well, why not? But if he hasn't, there's no need to take that risk. That's right. No need to rush. But um, if he has ticked all the boxes and he is fulfilling all the requirements to make a debut, why not? At the moment, Fab's well, head and, and is a cartoon is mouse, he, by the way. It's actually, yeah, it's it's actually, a little off-putting. It's on face, uh, FaceTime. It's actually more expressive than Fab tends to be. Usually it's interesting. <laughs> Actually, getting more of it smiling, good. it's nodding, it's. We're not losing anything, I'm going to be honest. That expression. Not great for listeners, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, just on Brody Kemp, he, he did his injury in July of last year. So for it to be basically mid June right now, he's he pretty much done 11, 11 and a half months of rehabilitation now. So as you sort of say, there, there's a lot of instances where. Players will do knees late in the season and all that sort of stuff, and, and can still sometimes be vying to to play come you know March and April and all that sort of stuff. If if you're prepared to risk it on you know seven, eight, nine months recovery, let's go. So the fact that he's done 11, 11 and a half months, you're going well. You know exactly as you guys said. If if he's genuinely ready and right, and he's done everything that you've asked of him, why not? So he's, he's probably missed a couple of months of proper or 100% strength and conditioning training, obviously with the club not being available to him. Yep. Obviously, yep. He'd, be, he'd be doing a program, but it's not hands-on daily. So it's, it's, it's probably a little bit step back from that 12-month mark. Yes. And, so, and a lot and, of other people and, won't, won't realise his older brother, 
uh, was on the list of the Northern Blues as well for this season. So he's got a brother that he's living with who, back in Echuca during the break, that he was able to do plenty of skill work and in line with what Andrew Russell will have allowed him to have done. You know, he'll have done cardiovascular stuff everywhere else. As you sort of allude, Fabian, whether he's been able to do enough pure um, knee rehabilitation, do the or test the knee out in a controlled environment to know that he can handle certain movements and all that sort of stuff. So that's the stuff you'd really want to know that he's ticked the boxes on. Um, but otherwise, oh, I think he's handled, handled himself really, really well by all reports. So, which is good. Mm. What was his brother's name? Yeah. Dean. Sean? Uh, no, not Sean Ken. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, saying, I was asking Sean. I know. What I thought you were asking Tim. I don't fucking know. Tim's like the, I, the emissary of the Kemp family. Every time we talk about Brody Kemp, he tells us what he had for lunch. and I don't know where he gets his information. You know, he's his next-door neighbour or something up in Echuca. It's, it's wonderful insight. Um, but that obviously well, leaves well, our injury list pretty much the only the only big ones on it. Naturally, Charlie's we've, we've ruled him out a long time ago for this season, and that's fine. Uh, Nick Newman joins joins him, which is a, a terrible shame. Uh, Caleb Marchbanks a bit of a, a TBD, and uh, obviously Matty Cruiser, as we said earlier, uh, we would like to get him back before the end of the season. So they're the other ones there. Fabian, has anyone got an update on Lockie O'Brien? He played, or is he available? He played yesterday. So Paddy Dow uh, has apparently got a knee injury, which was um, clarified after the team went in, and everyone just assumed he'd been omitted. Um, but Lockie did play yesterday. Um, we'll get to that later. We don't really know what happened because details are scarce, which is great. Um, the Obviously, the other big news coming out of this recent period, the fixture which was confirmed, um, which, to be honest with you, before yesterday, you kind of look at and, and bullishly at least went, well, they're four, you know, four interesting games, three of them, Geelong at GMHBA is always tricky, but, you know, Melbourne, Essendon and the Saints, you went, geez, on paper, I don't mind that. And, and then Geelong is the let's see how far we've come kind of test. Uh, after yesterday's result, it's it's really left us precariously um, balanced for the rest of the season. You know, next week becomes big if it already wasn't, um, and then the week after becomes absolutely massive. And we've just got to stop doing this to ourselves. I, I put up a stat on Twitter yesterday that in the last seven seasons, we're seven and twenty-eight in the first five weeks of the year. Yeah, like I know we've been a struggling team, but that is horrendously bad. Yes. It yep. just puts us behind I, the eight ball every year. Well, your other stat that I loved that you put up today was what our percentage score is in our first quarters versus um, our final three quarters, which I'm not quite sure what that time period was, Sean. Was that just last year and this year? That, or? No, that wasn't me, but thank you for thinking it was me. But I did see this tweet. Uh, um, I think it was at our 17% in the first quarter, and then it's 145% in two, three, and four. Yeah. And it's like... That's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, and you know, well, I, I still laugh about when, when we went, when a few of our mates went to Frio for our, the game last year and we got four or five goals down at quarter time, I turned to the other boys and said, we've got them right where we want them. <laughs> because yeah, that, that, that's what we've been doing. And, and you just we just can't keep doing that to yeah. ourselves because if you can be that good for three quarters, you should just be winning games of football and we're just doing ourselves a disservice. Absolutely, and we're going to speak about that when we speak about our starts in general, but a little bit frustrating from a club perspective to have been fixtured a home game against Geelong, which 
I understand it's unprecedented times, but in the recalibration of the fixture, we get funneled down to Geelong for the third year in a row. There's yep. something there that, as a club, you'd probably be going, look, I understand it is what it is, but, geez, again? We've drawn the short straw now three years in a row. We hadn't been down there for 20 years. But why can't Geelong travel? Well, that's well, even question. with Even with these unprecedented times, I don't understand why Geelong is getting all these home games up front. They are a protected species, a little bit like Max Gorn. Oh, we'll get into that, I imagine. Um, obviously, yesterday we saw the first rolling out of uh, the what are going to be scratch matches. Obviously, details, as I said, are pretty scarce. But from a development point of view, particularly for a club like ours, I do, I really can't understate my concerns moving forward as to what what this second tier looks like. And there just doesn't seem to be any clarity. There doesn't seem to be any forethought as to what this is going to look like, what shape it's going to take. We can't have the unselected players, in this case it was 16 guys, um, exposed to what effectively amounted to an hour of, you know, touch football. That doesn't that yep. doesn't help us. It doesn't help the guys playing in the game. It doesn't help your, um, your Ramsey's, Honey's, Philp, you know, Stocker, O'Brien, Dow. It does not do those guys any service at all, deconning those boys. I understand, once again, unprecedented times are in a tricky situation, but the league has to have a solution that's better and more meaningful than this. And, and again, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder later on, but when you've watched how deplorably we opened our first five minutes and our, our entire lack of intensity, if you're not playing practice matches that have any intensity in it, how do you galvanise your group to be able to turn around the next week? And again, the fact that we're playing Geelong and Geelong and they're, they're a hard, tough, physical, inside, contested style of football, if we present what we've presented, we're going to get beaten by 15 goals. And, if you and that might be caught and that might be quarter time. <laughs> oh, shit. Depends <laughs> if we're kicking with the wind or into the wind again. Um, yeah. But look, that, that to me, the whole thing with the national second tier as well, A, it's just fanciful, but B, if you don't have something there tangible to play for, if you don't have points on the line or, geez, you're a game outside the eight or whatever, if it's literally just a scratch match, you, you can never replicate or emulate the tension, the stress, the, the strategy, the build-up, the preparation, and then the game itself because it ultimately doesn't matter. And, and I think I, I think that's an important note too. There's a lot of supporters that have continually said, you know, whoever wins the premiership this year, it'll have an asterisk next to its name. Other, you know, other supporters go, no, no, no. If you can win this year, in spite of everything, it makes you a better side. Well, everyone's going through the not, same thing. Well, we're going through the same thing, but when when we're not a contender as it stands at the moment, you sit there and you go, I see flaws in this whole thing. And it's not going to impact impact us, but there's a little bit of it that says I can't wait to get through this season as quickly as possible mm. and bring on the real stuff thereafter. But it, it's it's certainly a learning opportunity. It's games into players. It allows us to be better. So we still have to seize every single opportunity and make the most of it. Absolutely. And then lastly, before we get onto the game itself, um, memberships has, has become the picture. There has become a little bit clearer in the last week or two. And, and I don't know about you, Tim, you, you're in very much the same boat as, as I am um, with regard to membership category. Um, I don't, look, 
I'm a pretty low maintenance member in the sense that I don't I don't really want the bells and whistles. I don't really care about all the add-ons and the value adds and the way they do it. I'm I'm interested in supporting the team financially, attending every match in Melbourne, um, and watching the game from good seats. That's they're my yep. priorities. But when you're effectively asked, here you go, if you commit your monies in full, when the benefit to me of that is I get to give someone else a free membership. I've sort of left to scratch my head a little bit. I'm sort of left to go, yeah, look, that's that's all good and well. The cynic in me says you're doing it to secure a membership record. Yep. Um, but the actual loyal signed up 25 plus year member that I am sits there and goes, look, oh, I don't I don't need the validation of whatever a program might be, a name on the wall or whatever. But it's a bit like the jelly of the month club, Fab. It's like you've been waiting here going, what, what's – you'll know this one, Tim, from your Field of Dreams. What's in it for me? You go, yep. You go, what's in it for me? Is, is that what you're asking? Just, no, just what's in it for me? But Jelly the Month Club, obviously, is that thing where you go, well, is that it? Well, what, what did Cousin Eddie say? It's the gift that keeps on giving all year round. <laughs> well, Fab only likes it because, in all likelihood, he's probably the one I'd give my free membership to. He's probably sitting there going, oh, yeah. I'm still getting my uh, monthly uh, withdrawal. Yeah, but you're, you, go, so, uh, you sign your boys up. And, and myself. Oh, but do I you? don't sign myself up. Yeah. Oh, well, I couldn't give you a membership then because you have to have not been a member the previous year. Yeah. I, I gave it to my ex-boss for what it's worth. Well, there you go. He is a Carlton supporter and he, he grew up in far north Queensland, so he doesn't really follow footy, but he moved down to Melbourne, he's of uh, Italian background, so he always he was living in Brunswick and he goes, well so on my local team, they threw to a bit of uh, an, an Italian bent as a club mm-hmm. and, a, and a support the player background, so he goes it was the obvious choice for me, but he's hardly a hard call, and he's the bloke that's never going to sign up to be a member, so you thought, oh well do that, hopefully we show something next year, and when he gets along it might be actually worthwhile, so it might light a fire crap. under him May do. And then May lastly, do. obviously the big part about this um, with regard to uh, the unfolding drama and the excitement we're all experiencing with regard to crowds potentially coming back in some guys sooner than we all thought. If crowds are to return, this is going to once again sound very self-interested, but if crowds are to return, clubs, including our club, have to honour reserve seat members first. You would think so. They, they can't they can't open it up and have a purely democratic lottery. Everyone goes in. You sit there going, well, reserve seat members have paid for these seats already. Those that have left their money with you, going, they're the ones that have to be serviced first. Like, I'd be, to be honest, to be brutally honest, I don't know about you, Fab, I'd be a bit cut up if I'm paying 1000 or $1,100 and we all go into a lottery and a guy who's got a three-game membership, oh, his lucky number comes up. Yeah, no, know? it's it's it shouldn't it should never come down to that. So hopefully the, the powers that be make a logical decision, and you're not more of a supporter, but you have put your money no, where your mouth is. Totally, and, and, and it, it, it's almost the version of the um, the lottery, the number of balls in the lottery. Mm. In the NBA, you know, if, if you've got an eleven hundred dollar membership as opposed to a fifty dollar membership, well, maybe you've got 
22 more balls. I don't know. You know, wh- whatever else it happens to be, um, make it it's make running difficult. Timbo. With that, <laughs> <laughs> 22 more elephant. balls. Elephant, <laughs> um, elephant, but look, a part of me actually wonders if the club, the easier thing to the club, for the, any club to particularly or to potentially do, sorry, would just be to say it's come one, come all, or no one at all. It's until we can all go. We don't want to create a class war. We don't want to create any angst. So why don't we just wait and we can all come back together as one, however realistic yeah, if, that is. If I could get to a game, I'd go because it's on. Mate, it's that – did I, I send you that Drago photo when they, did the, when they first did the lockout? I think I sent it to Fab at least. Whereas I just, I just want to go to the footy. If I die, I die. <laughs> <laughs> you did send it to me, and I did enjoy it. <laughs> but I'm sure we're not alone in thinking that. But that's that's sort of the the housekeeping, housekeeping I suppose, from uh, around the traps um, in the time we've been off air, and and not a lot's been happening. But but things have slowly been moving forward um, on and off the field, and that of course culminated with uh, yesterday, which, well, that was uh, that was something, wasn't it? That was something to to wait eighty odd days for. And, and be served up, particularly in the first uh, forty odd minutes. It was, um, I think that we can only really bullshit. we can only really it address bullshit. it truthfully. It was embarrassing. That was as embarrassing yeah. as being a Carlton fan has been in all the lean time we've had. It hasn't got much lower than that. Yeah, yeah, and and every single game of football we'll play between now and the rest the end of the year, we will have three and four minute patches where. The opposition has their hands on the footy. We don't. We don't hold tackles. We're unclean with the footy. We spill it when we shouldn't. Um, and the opposition will take advantage of it. And if there's a lack of pressure, they'll make it look bad. But after 80 days, it can't be your first five minutes. It just can't be. It can't can't come, be. Does it come down to leadership? This is an interesting no one. one. No one. No so one's trying to work out while I was watching it. No is... one thought to arrest the situation lob it down. Effectively send out a warning signal, whether it came from Cripper or it came from Doc, just someone to say, guys, slow down, compose yourselves. If you allow me to backtrack, you, you've hit the nail on the head for me, Fab. I mean, there was a moment, um, and oh, I'm sorry, I can't remember it specifically, whether it was quarter time or half time, but Sam Doherty was interviewed as part of the Fox broadcast on the ground, as they do. Um, and I thought to myself, first things first, Sam Doherty was playing his heart out, but as the leader and as the captain of the club, the time for being nice, the time for tolerating what we served up, it's over. The yep. time for putting a brave face or a, a happy spin on that, it's over. You know what I would have loved Doc to do? To stand in front of, I'm not sure who the boundary rider was, but to stand in front of them and say, yeah, that was embarrassing. That was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, have the balls to stand behind it. Just and, go and call just it. Say, yep. I, I may not have made any clangers. I may not have made any you know, glaring errors. But at the end of the day, it's one in, it's all in. And if the output from the 22 is substandard, call it, call it out for what it is. Well, at the end of because the game... Because we... especially, like, like we loved the commentary during the week where we all said, you know, we've, we've, you know, we've been getting close and having honourable losses for too long. The time is now to come out and we win games of footy and, and we compete. And you've gone, great. Love it. Let's see. Uh, and that's and, it. You know and you've easy. gone, it's really? The, that's your response. It's easy to talk. 
absolutely. It's so easy to talk. And look, my sort of final word on this, it's not, it's not up to us. We've been sold from the club this really positive message, this real thankful message that we've stuck by. And, and, and absolutely, as a fan base, um, the support that the Carlton's, have Carlton um, membership and supporter base has given the club throughout this time has been relatively unprecedented given what we've seen on field. You know, signed up in record numbers. Um, the growth is there for everyone to see. The club has done excellent work off the field to get us into a position where you can sort of start to see some improvement. Well, now that has to happen on the field. And, you know, that's up to the footy department and up to the playing group to actually make happen. If it's like the first half against Richmond, if it's like yesterday's first half against Melbourne, that doesn't change the outside perception that fans, administrators, opposition players, opposition coaches have of us as a footy club. They think we're weak as piss. And then they go out and show it. That that was that was the biggest my biggest takeaway was they know they can get a hold of us in that situation because we're fragile and we're weak. And and you sit there and you're going for all of our early draft picks that we've taken over the last four to five years, who's the one bloke with a real strength of character and, and a you know, a bit of shit about him that's gonna say, Not on my watch? And honestly I I reckon we saw a little bit from Liam Stocker last year. I've seen it from Tom Williamson. I reckon I've seen it from Mitch McGovern. I actually thought Levi Casbolt laid two of the biggest hits yes. yesterday, yep. and, he, and he was the one bloke that you thought, you're there to have a crack. I mean, Cripper, Cripper does it demonstratively, yep. uh, demonstratively as he's going along, but you sit there and you go, there's, not, there's a lot of nice footballers out there, well, and, he, and I'm sure Sam Walsh will have a hard edge to him, but he, but he seems like he, he's a nice, clean footballer. Murph's nice and clean, and and this isn't a, it's not a criticism as such, but they're, they're, we're two same same. I'll, you know, give you, I'll give you an example, Timbo. When I was cutting up all that footage for the video, and there was a bit the centenary game, and we play uh, obviously Collingwood. There was a portion. That's <laughs> who I'm thinking of. There's a section <laughs> in that game. There's a passage of play where, independent of one another, Sauce and Earl Spaulding both decide to kill Craig Starsevich. And they at the simultaneously <laughs> clatter him. Not they're not they don't look at each other and go, We're getting him. At the same moment they have the same thought, we've got to target this guy. And Starsevich is a crumpled heap on the ground. These guys have just steamrolled through him. And I'm not, you know, Earl Sporting and Sauce, absolute two hard edged, ruthless animals, but you need that. And when if our players and Teague's got to sell some home truths, and I'm sure he will, we're front up against Geelong. After what Geelong did to us last year, after what, Rich, after what Richmond have done to us in round one, after what Melbourne did to us yesterday, if, if anyone in this room thinks they don't think we're soft, if anyone in this room thinks they don't, they, well, they don't think we can kill this mob off early, they're kidding themselves. Yeah. They're going to yep. have targets on their back, and if we do not start well, it'll be over quicker than it was over yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the well, there won't be any coming back. There won't be any coming no. back in Geelong. No. In Geelong. No. So no. that's what we've got to change. No. That that mindset and mentality of our opposition is what we yep. need to change. And the only way they change it is by not fucking falling asleep at the wheel for 40 minutes every week. Yeah. And, and the hardest thing to watch this week, and, and I, I get myself in trouble a lot as a supporter and I get filthy when I have expectations. And the last five years has been an exercise in really not having a lot of expectation. I, I have hope. Yep. And I'm optimistic totally. and all those sorts of things. But sometimes you go into games and you go, 
we'll win this. Yeah. And I, I sat down with absolute confidence that we would just get the job done, especially when you looked at the inns during the week. They went really young. They exposed a lot of kids and you thought, yeah, look, we're a couple of years ahead of elements of their rebuild. I mean, they, they were obviously in a preliminary final two years ago, so they're not a bad side. But you thought they've injected some genuine youth into this team and you thought that'll actually hold us in better stead and, and we'll come out and we'll execute. We'll be better than them. We might not win by a lot, but we'll win. And then to see that, you've gone, okay. And, and I, as I said, I was filthy. I was just filthy. You know what the tragedy is? I don't know if you agree with me, Fab. I, I was pretty strong on this on Twitter. I wholeheartedly believe, and it's foolish to say, given recent history, we are a better team than them. Yeah. Like we are. I, I watch it and I go, we gave them a 42-point start and then gave ourselves four or five opportunities to win it. Yeah, take, and, take, and kept them to one goal, two and a half of football. And it when, was they, a, when they had their tails up. The Christian Petrarca goal was a quick response. So you take away that 30 seconds of play, it's two behind in a half of football. Yeah. Mind you, Bailey Fritz should have kicked that goal in the should. last quarter. He was almost top of the square. So. But it's just, yeah. I, I, my, I was sitting there, and that's what made it so annoying, was that not did we just give them the, the start, but we played football. We we proved that for the, most of the remainder of the match, we got these guys measure. Yep. But again, like we did last year, we fell just short against them last year. I'm pretty sure the year before we lost by a kick and a bit, and then the year before that they absolutely annihilated us. But you sort of going, we should be beating this mob. These are the teams yeah. we got to beat. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what's and, you, and you don't and you don't have to thrash them or anything else like that. You just got to just got to find a way. You know, it, it doesn't matter how you win. Sometimes you just got to win. And to walk away with a one-point loss after being as bad as we were, you just sort of thought, well, when the game settled down, we were close above them. And uh, just, uh, it's, it's just a hard one to take. And, and, and I think one of our mates on Twitter made the comment, it was probably a good thing that we lost. Yes. Because it, we might have papered over how bad that first quarter was if we'd somehow managed to arrest the four points. Yeah. Um, so maybe in the end, just looking at it for what it is and going, that was deplorable, is the message that has to be translated to the fellas and go, you know, if they'd happened to win and they sung the song and thought, how good, you're going, no, no. You can't play like that and expect to win. Well, if we played football... And it's, it's, go on, Fab. Sorry, Sean. I was just saying, and I said it before, we have to develop some sort of leadership to yeah. ensure that doesn't happen. See, ever since the... Rebuilding teams like ours, and I don't want to even say rebuilding anymore because we, I'm over it, but ever since the, the runners have been restricted, it doesn't enable the coach's box to send out messages to, to – you have to do this stuff instinctively. And we almost have to coach leadership into a few of them because we need it because it happens far too often. But that, that realistically should be – Two ACLs for Sam Doherty should mean we have an assistant coach on the field that is absolutely au fait with every single element of um, of our game plan and what do we do when the last three minutes of football have been X, Y and Z. You know, whether we're on song and we're flying or we're absolutely under siege and Erica Eliniak's about to jump out of the cake, um, you've just got to, this is just what you've got to do. So, can, I di- can I digress? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Was that? Kelly, Kelly, in COVID, 
So we have gotten Amazon Prime. We've got Amazon Prime on a very good deal, $3 a month. That is an exceptional deal. So we have been watching Baywatch, um, oh, reruns of Baywatch. Baywatch Nights. And not up to that yet. But first season was actually quite good. And uh, young Erica, Timbo, well, we. Um, so, yeah. He's now lost, has lost his train of thought. He's actually halfway through the sentence and he's just thinking. By, by season three, <laughs> by season three, Tim's mate, the hop. Mitch is, it's, it's softball porn, but uh, it started off season one. It was actually, it was actually sort of a, semi-serious. An all right. Yeah. Like it was, now yeah. it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a caricature of itself. But, it's like uh, the Carlton Football yeah, Club. <laughs> so when Timbo men- mentioned uh, young Erica, yeah, well, well, we. Oh, look, I do agree, um, just getting back on track, I did like that conversation, but I do agree sorry, that leadership, leadership now is, is so vital because this is where we need to turn those nearlys, almosts, they need to become wins. And, and yep, the difference sorry. between being empty-handed and coming away with the wins against those teams that we're competing with and who are around us and we have to beat is a sense of... I'll use, I'll use the example like... This would never happen. I think I've mentioned it once on pod before. This would never happen in AFL because it's too radical an idea and I'm not even proposing it happen. But the New York Yankees don't have a captain if there's not a captain. That's right. If there's no one that's the captain, that you are the leader, you are the leader of the clubhouse, indisputably, without impeachment, it is you, there is no captain. That's sort of changed since Steinbrenner's died. But that's been a thing throughout their history. This idea that... If there isn't a sole figurehead, it's up to the lot of you to pick up the yep. slack. And I'm not saying that Doc and Cripper aren't great captains, but to me, I don't know if you should need the Doherty figure, the Cripps figure. Because mm. you can nominate someone to take the top of the coin. And Fergie did it at United after like, Gene, you know, Gary was awarded captain. He was, mm. he was hardly playing at the time. Yep. But it wasn't until Nemanja Vidic put himself in the frame as I am the captain, that he was awarded that title of being the captain. Until then, rotate the armband and go and toss the corner and point which way we're kicking. But um, I don't mind it. Leadership, well, Jerry Jeter was the last captain. Of, well, leadership isn't the sole the right of the captain. It's up to everyone to lead. It's up to everyone to know when it's my turn, what I can do here, to call a teammate out if he's not doing the right thing, if he's in the wrong spot. Hmm. Be ruthless, be brutal on each other. Because yesterday, for that first 40 minutes, we were listless. We were directionless. And guys like... Well, the NFL has captains all over the... In every facet of the the game. I don't mind that idea. Defense, offense, special teams. Everyone's got someone there who is going to take responsibility for the collective that's on the field at any one time. See, um, as an idea to be adopted, I probably prefer that. The idea that you go, who's our back six, who's our midfield, who's our forwards? And the idea there is to grow leadership, to know that when things aren't going right, if Harry Mackay's leading pattern's not on, if Mitch McGovern wasn't in the right spot, blah, 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 direct traffic. And particularly with the runners. I think, I think Mitch has got it. I think Mitch has that part in him. I'm just using it as an example. Like just, so bloody hot and cold. The, player, the player's name is, is interchangeable, but the idea of if somebody's not in the right spot or whatever, you don't have to be an arsehole. But just yesterday for the first quarter and a half, we were rudderless. And it didn't look like anyone, poor old Sam Doherty, Plowman, Liam Jones and Jacob Wietering, they didn't know which way the fucking world was spinning. So it wasn't up to them to right the ship. They were doing everything they could to keep us above fucking water. 
But the idea that somebody just needed to take the game by the scruff of the neck for five minutes mm. and just go, no schools. But I look, as much as I was frustrated with him early, people like Mitch McGovern. I think Mitch could sense that things weren't right. But he just didn't even know how to inject himself into the game or execute his own game. We'll get on to him, Fab. We'll, we'll get on to him. We'll get on to him. But we'll kick off. We're obviously going to look at the pros and the cons effectively is how we're going to dissect the match. Uh, and we've renamed these, of course, in keeping with pod tradition. Uh, a pro is chicken salad. And obviously a con is chicken shit. So you're either chicken yeah. salad or you're chicken shit. Um, we want to start off with the good, I suppose. We want to start off with the good stuff. Timbo, there's only one place to start with the good stuff. Jacob Wietering. He is the current yeah, All-Australian centre-half back. And well, he, uh, until anybody can do anything that can possibly unseat him, his first two games of football this season, and, and you know, as we've sort of said, I, I've, peddled, I, I've peddled the improvement that we've all seen and, and understand two years ago, you know, he, he was still developing, he was still getting exposed a little bit. Well, he is now every bit the consummate physical presence at centre-half back, balls in the air, balls on the ground, balls under pressure, um, his ability to be able to hit targets by hand, by foot, all that sort of stuff, and marking quality opposition. You know, to take Tom Lynch and Tom McDonald, who two players in the last few years against us that have really, really troubled us. I mean, yeah. I think McDonald kicked seven against us last year at the MCG with a hell of a help from, uh, from the umpiring that day, but you, all you can do is kick the goals. And Lynch had had a field day with us for a number of years um, to keep them. I think, as we sort of said, we, he kept Lynch markless yep. and he kept McDonald scoreless. Um, but he's been he's been our uh, he's been the rudder, even though you know we didn't have it in that first quarter. He's been the guy who just does not put a foot wrong at all, does not miss a beat, and. The wider football world will probably still take a long time to be able to cotton on to Weedering, but even the commentators, you listen to them now, you know, they're all just going, geez, he's good, and it's sort of like, yeah, no shit. So yeah. he, he's just exceptional. I, yeah. think, I think what's so pleasing is it's only a very small sample size, to borrow uh, Gary Lyon's uh, turn of phrase. It's only the two games. But what he's doing now is putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. We'd seen yep. little bits and pieces and, you know, a bit of A, a bit of B, a bit of C – one-on-one work has been exceptional. He's actually, not only is he either neutralising the contest or winning it, phenomenal, his work at ground level, uh, tidying up and waxing with whether it be Simo or Doc, has been uh, been wonderful. And then his distribution at times yesterday, it was the best kick on the field. He was. It was just and I still wonderful. remember when we drafted him, they did say at times he could ruck row. But he'd play under 18s games where they could put him on the ball. He, he started his career as a forward. He found his found his niche in the back line. But they sort of said his aerobic capacity is such, and his ability in traffic and all that sort of stuff. He's the sort of guy that could play as a rucker over if you really wanted him to. But I think the longer it went with Jacob, and he and he held tried to hold down key forward when we had a lot of injuries at one point in time. You just realised, no, we're going to keep it simple for this guy. You play centre half back. It doesn't matter who we play against your centre-half back. And uh, since we've done that and allowed to keep things as static as possible, keep it as simple as possible, and let him grow and develop and build confidence, um, he's he's turning into something of a juggernaut. And the he other nearly one, dobbed once in 52. Yes, hit the post. Which, hit the post, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Speaking of obviously in very good form, but going very much under the radar at the opposite end, opposite end of his career, Fabian is uh, your man. Murph. Murph. He just he just keeps on keeping on. Um, he won't get the credit because there's a lot of fans who are seemingly um, allergic to giving certain of our players credit. Um, Lockie Plowman yep. for me is one. I thought Lockie Plowman was excellent yesterday. Uh, particularly I thought he was early, excellent early on. Early, early on, but like yeah. when when yeah, we yeah. could have been twelve goals down, yeah. we weren't because of him, Weeders, and Doc. But yeah. Murph's very and much I, in that boat. I, I think he fades. Just touching on Plough quickly, I think Plough fades out of the game because the ball just wasn't down there with yeah. the same kind of frequency as it was so early on. But going back to Murph, he's just a couple of years back. I was in a heated debate on Twitter with one of our mates. Jay as well. And you, want to, you want to name names, Fab? You want to do it? No, and, and another We don't speak ill uh, of the dead? No. Uh, what, another prominent Twitter user who kept telling me that Mark Murphy was cooked and Mark Murphy he's at the end of his career, blah, blah, blah. Just, search Fab's, uh, just search Fab's Twitter handle, Fabiano underscore G7 and keywords Murph. Um, so Murph was playing in the forward pocket under Brendan Bolton and I kept saying, he's the best midfielder we have at the club and I know Cripps has overtaken him in that regard but his presence and his calming influence, you know, the, the, for his clearance work was great. He had six inside fifties yesterday, and critically, five hundred odd meters gain. He kept driving us forward. He kept moving, kept working. I just, you know, for some, the only average, I think only he got about twenty four touches, which in reduced game time is a thirty possession game. Yeah, give or take. I just thought he was absolutely immense yesterday. Well, he was excellent in round one as well when, when the acid was really on and we needed some leadership and we needed someone just to get their hands on the footy uh, and to you know, use it better than most. Oh, look, I agree. I think he's a guy that is just, for whatever reason, um, sure, horses for courses, it differs person to person, but it's just a lot of Carlton fans have a bee in their bonnet over Murph for one reason or another. Because he's, an, he's, an, he's a number one draft pick and he should go on to win two Brownlows and yeah. be a premiership captain and everything else, but he's more than fulfilled his... His obligation. No, he's he's been an excellent, excellent player for us. The only thing I did curse him at uh, uh, would have been the first quarter. Man, Murph loved the ball, especially oh, around yeah, goal. Yeah. Ball. And he's, he's, he had a chance to snap and he's gone a balk. And yet it was frantic and he was in traffic, but I did I did throw something at the telly. But, uh, no, because I, I, I remember the passage of play. I reckon Cunners might have balked as well. We, we were queuing up, and I think Martin might have as well. And it's like yeah. one, we of you, yet, so. one of you has to just get us. It's a classic fab, isn't it? Like, it doesn't matter what you're playing. If it's recreational Division D indoor soccer, there comes a time where you just go, by hook or by crook, we've got to score. Like, I don't yep, care. Yep. I don't care if we concede the next five. We need a goal. We can't be sitting on a duck egg. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, another guy, we, we briefly mentioned him. Um, in, in, a, in the defence, which uh, performed admirably when they were absolutely under the pump, was uh, Sam Doherty, who um, I don't think we could have bargained for just how good his resumption has been. Uh, Timbo, you, yeah. you were one of those who were just cautiously, like we all were, but just, you know, pump the brakes, pump the brakes, we've got to give this guy time. He's been excellent. Yep. There was actually, it was funny, there was a bit of pie in the third quarter where we were a bit under siege, and it was on the outer wing, and the ball being kicked uh, over his head, he was running back towards it, and he had might have been James Harms or someone like that right on his hammer. And you thought once upon a time he might have jumped and grabbed the ball and tried to quickly turn him, and you thought 
upper two knees. You, you can't take that risk. And he sort of gave the, the punch back over his head because he knew he had a player in behind him. And you thought, okay, that's that's the correction you've now made post two ACLs. You know, in the same way, you know, David Schwartz continued to try and play the way that he mm. played when he tore us apart in that qualifying final. And the knee just continued to buckle underneath him. And you sit there and you're going, okay, Doc, you've learnt. You've learnt your limitations. You know what you can and can't do. You play within that. But everything else that he does, he does as well as he did when he left off. Um, and just now with a little bit more maturity and added leadership, and I can't get enough of him. Um, and it's funny. My votes were a bit funny because they of were the way very that I was funny, looking Timbo. at it. We need to address that I, I, later. I would really like to have my <laughs> shot again at it because the more I thought about it, I thought, I know why I did it, but afterwards it you became thought, a very, very hard decision to defend. In your heart of hearts. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it after. Let's, let's, let's yeah. go through them properly after. Oh, believe me, yep. my, my jaw was uh, pretty much at my toes when your votes came through. I went, is that? Sorry, we just... Were well, you watching... made the, we, we were texting one another and I, I made the comment late in the last quarter. I thought, gee, Harry Mackay is having to absorb a hell of a lot of pressure down there. And I, I just thought he was he was standing up to it and he kind of felt like he was central to what we were trying to do. And he kind of felt like if we win, it'll be because of the role that he's played, not because he was going to win it, but it just seemed like he was part of it. We're going to touch so, on this. We're going to touch on this when we, when we talk about inside fifties, because you better believe that's top of the chicken shit list. But <laughs> yeah, Harry, yeah, exactly Harry right. Mackay, I, I agree to you with an extent, Tom, uh, Tim, Harry Mackay wasn't the problem because we were delivering the ball disgustingly. And he competed and he tried and he, he dug in. Speaking he did take five marks, that which, you know... Yeah. He only had six touches for the game, but he, he did take a couple of crucial get-us-out-of-jail-down-the-line marks. So he did take five marks for the game, but actually had the six touches. Yeah. Um, speaking of a guy who, who really dug in and, and did an excellent job when we were at uh, our backs to the wall, Fab, what did you make of uh, Mickey Gibbons, his game yesterday? Nah, he was... I thought early on, and we mentioned this in, a, in and amongst our, our group chat, that we're missing a bit of Jack Silvani presence, yep. a bit of pressure, a bit of, you know. And I think in more towards the second half of the game, Gibbons really provided that, you know, a bit of pressure on the football, tackling went up, kicked a beautiful goal. Um, goal, of amazing goal. goal of the week. Yeah. Prender's yeah. goal Fif- of the week. 15 touches from a bloke who, who didn't play primarily full-time midfield, but he, he did have his time in there. I thought he was he was, he, he was in the better contributors on the day. He was above average. He, 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 felt like, he felt like one of those guys who didn't didn't need to be told to stand up, but at least sensed that we're going to have to, we have to do something here. This is, this is slipping mm. away. This is slipping. Yeah. We got to, it's not about pointing fingers. You're not doing this. You're not doing this, but I can do this. And, and like you said, it's funny, isn't it, that when Jack wasn't obviously available, having um, gone down with gastro on the Friday, isn't it funny how when he's not there, people who are maybe detractors of his go, oh, oh, that's what he does. You go, yeah, yeah, most yep. of us see it. Most of us see what he brings to the team. And I think you put it's it really more well. External. I think you put it really well with Gibbons just brought that little bit of um, – Manic pressure, a little bit of fanaticism around the ball. He can find the ball, 
Um, and he's, he's a pretty good user. He's, he's shown that he can definitely cut it at AFL level. Um, yep. I, I, I say this, to be honest with you, I say this nervously because I really, really liked this guy's game. He didn't have a heap of the ball, but I thought that this was the sort of game that in the past, um, your North Melbourne game last year, there's, there's been a few others, obviously, where we just get absolutely blown away. This was the sort of game where David Cunningham just doesn't go missing, but he's just a non-entity. Can't find his yep. rhythm, can't find the ball. Where where am I meant to fit into this shit show? I thought Cunners did some really good things yesterday. Yep. But I said, he I, did. I called him an almost footballer. That, you know, things almost go his way and he almost got to the fall of the ball and he almost, and he almost had a bloody good game. He almost did. You know, he did a couple of real nice things, but he, he just hasn't completed a full package. For me, he hasn't put together a game where you go, he's got it. I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm harsh on the kid. I wouldn't be surprised if Cunners pulls up sore and misses a couple of weeks. Uh, fair, just, fair point. I, I thought his work on the near side wing, yes. uh, about midway through the last quarter, where he just kept running. It, well, he, he he summed up. He knew what he needed to do. He handed it back to um, who was it? Oh, I don't even know. He handballed it backwards. And then, ran and on. then no, no, ran on. Yeah, yeah. Ran. No, and then he took it on. He took the bounce, and then Cripps took the contested mark, and then kicked the goal after he failed the one before. My, my lament though, and you talk about it being an almost game. I replayed when Murph gives the handball to um, Sam Walsh, yeah. and Sam Walsh runs to yes. fifty. He's got pressure from James Harms, and there was one of two things that had to happen. Walsh either had to load up and just try and score, because it was a draw at that point, I think. Um, or it was Cunningham that was just on the 45 close to the goal. And so Walsh either has to turn hard outside to beat James Palms uh, and either handball the ball to Cunningham or Cunningham lays the shepherd and Walsh goes in and kicks the goal on his left. So I just reckon there was an opportunity to be able to wax with a teammate there that with a little bit more poise and probably a little bit more demanding the ball at the key moment in a game, he really could. He, he probably could have been the reason we won it. Juddy, Juddy would have given ha- him the it. clap. Juddy would have given him the. He would have. He would have. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I think looking at the stats, I've just brought him up. A reason that Cunners probably stands out is he was the only player of ours to have had uh, ten or more disposals and ran at ninety percent efficiency. So when he got it, yeah. he was hitting targets. He was retaining the ball. So and, and that's David Cunningham. If David Cunningham he shouldn't be in, you know, on the field, but that's what he's there for. He he is the silk, he is the class. He's just got to get more than ten. Absolutely. He may be he may be the cream. I think he is. Side. I think he is. I think as yeah. the team gets better, as the team um, develops a level of consistency, a competitive consistency, he's the guy that pops up and you go, oh, he's kicked two. Oh, he's got three. Well, he's the guy that does the stuff that Paddy. We've lamented that Paddy Dow hasn't been able to. He's got the finish in the class that Dow's still trying to build. So while, I mean, when you see a Darcy Lang come into your team, you've gone, look, okay. <laughs> I wish you could see Fabian's face. Whatever. <laughs> um, but you go, Cunningham's the guy who can just, he, he's there to take the half opportunities. He's the guy to hit targets inside 50. You know, he's 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 your, he's your cherry on top yeah. player. Yeah, and and that's what Darcy Lang isn't, and that's what we're hoping Paddy Dow becomes as well. There was a few of them. I was uh, we were joking on the group text that um, Cunners 
less so than Darcy Lang, but uh, I had the big thick red marker out when both of them were shaping up for shots at goal to write them off once and for all. But uh, fortunately for them, they got themselves a stay of execution. Darcy just finished up, I saw, just with the four touches, which, um, oh, look, you, you would imagine that uh, I think Nunes... A not, had, nice goal. It was a nice goal, no doubt about it. Yep. Um, Nunes ended up with uh, eight touches and Lang with four. Yep. So you're sort of thinking, well... How many Newman, field end up with? Do you know? Off the I'll top look of it head? up. I'll look it up. Newman obviously goes out, so he's a he's a force change. So we obviously appreciate that, and you would imagine it would be Williamson in Williamson in for him. I wouldn't be surprised if a, it is Geelong. It's a tricky tricky test down there. I wouldn't be surprised if you see the likes of Philp uh, and O'Brien in the mix um, to replace potentially Lang and Nunes, who they just didn't they just didn't quite uh, didn't have great days, did they? Uh, set of no. field had fourteen. They had fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. So okay. that's. You know. It's probably a pass. Yeah, that's... And he, that's, wasn't, he wasn't bad. There were things that I would like to have seen more from him, but... That's a soft you pass. You need the thing. You need more. You need players like Setters. Setters is an outside footballer. And yeah, he is. When everything, all the other cogs are working, he will work even better. And I said this to you on the text yesterday. And, oh, I just don't like the bloke, but, you know... What? And yesterday just exacerbated it, but Clayton Oliver is oh. ne- never in a contest. No, but he, he is their outside option. Any chance of that asshole being done for not facing a contest or wrapping up? It was, hor- it was horrific no. at times. It was horrific how bad it was. And yeah. my my point is, his teammates make him look better because he's available, he's ready, he's on the outside, and then he gets it and he goes. And if we can control the midfield a bit better than what we have been, then players like Will Setterfield will will benefit. It's funny how there's been a bit of a critique, you know, with him being a year younger, or whatever it is, and Patrick Cripps going, who's going to be the better out of the two? Because for so long, people were saying they're such a similar footballer. <laughs> it's like, no, they're not. No, no they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Even in the not same even class. class. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Just, let's put that one away. And then, obviously, the, the next cap off the rank for us from a chicken salad point of view, Big Pitto. Really, baptism, baptism of fire um, up against, you, you would argue, either the number one or the number two Ruckman in the game. Um, really had his work cut out for him early. Gorn was terrific. Um, and, and look, in fairness, of course, spade a spade, gave Pitto a bath in the early going. But I think just as encouraging as almost anything on the day was the way he toughed it out, the way he responded, yep, totally. and the way he ended up, in a lot of ways, halving contests to get us back into the game. Well, it's funny. They always talk about how much Matthew Cruz's effort and physicality makes players walk taller around him. Um, And that's something that he's earned over a long period of time with attitude and all that sort of stuff. To go into a game where you've got to come up against Gorn and you've got a guy playing his first game for the club who's had a little bit of a reputation for being a bit of a physical beast as well, you thought, okay, well, this is your opportunity. Just show us something. 21 blokes would have walked off the ground and gone, okay, I'll, I'll go to war with Pitto. Well, I can get behind Pitto. Totally, totally. And that is a massive win. So oh. I, I thought, and this is taking nothing away from him because he, he, he toiled away and he did. His effort was, you can't question it, but I thought Coach's Box could have made a change. And put, just put Levi into the centre bounce a bit. I would have put Pitto behind the ball. I would have, for the, I agree completely, Fab. I would have, I would have just said, "Look, we need to get you out of the out of the fire a little bit here. Put Kaz in, 
Tim's gone for a walk. Tim's taking us for a walk. It's a bit weird. I'm getting but, a charger. But, my, um, my, my phone's getting low. <laughs> I would have said... <laughs> I would have said, Val, put uh, Casbold in the in the ruck for a bit. Pito, can you just sit behind the ball for five minutes? He's a good mark. Yep. He's obviously a strong guy, fearless. He'd stand in the hole, no problems whatsoever. And, as I hope Carlton fans would have noticed yesterday, um, he's a pretty good user of the footy. Like, he's actually, for, for we always say, for a big guy. But for a big guy, he's actually got pretty clean skills. So, if he was able to chop things off, he doesn't bite off too much. He doesn't look to hit the big 45 just a sensible stuff. Timbo, you, you can't press mute, mate, when you go for a walk. You've got a weird, like, <laughs> looking up view of Tim's head. Um, so, look, Pito, like I said, I, I was really pleased, at least from his point of view personally, that he, that he bounced back in the manner that he did um, and was able to, to give us a contest and, and sort of turn the wheel back in our favour. Gorn was obviously still exceptional, but I think that... Um, 23 hitter. I think like he was... most realistic Carlton fans would have sat there and thought, we're going to concede that position today. Yep. Are we? Um, next on, this is a this is a bit of a chicken salad into a chicken shit. Really, this is a, <laughs> this is a, a bit of a um, no, lacking the croutons. This is this is no croutons, or maybe too many croutons, depending on how you feel. But Mitch McGovern, Mitch McGovern's first half was disgusting. Like it was appalling. It was, it was Diamond Valley. Diamond <laughs> it was. I, I think I might have sent a text which just read. Mitch McGovern might just be shit. He was <laughs> woeful. However, I got that text. I got that text right after I got a text from my dad who said, "Take the boys' jumpers off and let them be Collingwood supporters." <laughs> <laughs> but in to his credit, his second half was very good, and and I'm not sure if that's a consequence of a rocket, some good cop, bad cop. Um, I honestly think that we've got a bit of an issue with Charlie out because Harry and Mitch both play the hit-up half-forward role. That's sort of their their one-wood, as David King would say. That's their preferred role. But obviously yep. one of them has to be deep. Mitch plays deep better. Mitch leads that out of the goal square better than Harry does. Yes. But I think, Harry, I think Mitch likes leading up off the half-forward line better. Well, and he can swing around and run back towards goal and really travel quickly with the footy and be a, a genuine running utility kind of player. Mm. He, he has he has a string to his bow that we don't actually realise that he does. So he's um, he's an interesting one. He is, and that's I think that in terms of taking the good with the bad, we can't excuse the team performance in the first half, let alone a lot of individual performances, but. At the same time, it is encouraging to go, there's something there. You've got what we need you to have, but like a lot of our boys, we just need you to have it more often. Um, So he was a good one there. And then lastly, the chicken salads for me, um, fitness. I thought it was obviously evident that for all Melbourne's bluff and bluster, for all their Darren Burgess bullshit, that we're this and we're that, we're going to be super fit. We were by far the fitter of the two teams out there yesterday. Completely outran them. Completely. Um, so that was encouraging moving forward to know that um, Andrew Russell, we've done the work, we've done the prep, um, and we've, we were able to – it's one of those classics what-ifs. You go, geez, if, if there were 20-minute quarters, you go, fucking geez, I would have suited us to the down to the ground. 20-minute uh, quarters, we win the game. 20-minute yeah. course, we could have been 15 goals down. <laughs> well, so. I was going to say, a few extra minutes, we might have been further behind, but, um, you know – all things being equal, you know, the 
if we were always going to be better later in quarters and hadn't sort of, you know, dropped our bundle, um, that added, you know, 16 minutes of football should have suited us, should have, should have suited us to the tune of at least two more points. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, so that's it for chicken salads. No one else has a late chicken salad? No. Nah. Excellent. Chicken shits now, and there's one. We've, we've spoken about our starts earlier. We've, we've spoken about that. That needs to be remedied, and it needs to be remedied immediately. Um, but our inside 50s, my God. What are we doing? We're not it's doing... Like, it's, it's like there's no... It's like we don't train it. No. But it's like... What are we doing? Like, we're not serving... It'd be even worse if Charlie was in the team. If you think about it, if, if Charlie was in the team, we'd be saying to Mitch, Levi, you know, 50-50, uh, Charlie and Harry, just go for it, boys. One of you needs to take mark of the day. One of you needs to do put, you know, to quote Ned Zalich, Fab, every time we kick the ball inside 50, we need some... A bit of fantasy and imagination. We need a bit of imagination and fantasy and some individual <laughs> brilliance. Every time we kick it in, we need a big pack mark or uh, a great example was Eddie's really clever little kick on for Gibbons to break yep. the pack open. That's not mm-hmm. a sustainable way to play football to keep winning scores. No. It's disgusting. Well, I, I think the one thing that you soon learn, and and you know, we we talk about it in the under twelves at Beverly Hills. You know, it's the oh, no. it's it, it's no, well, it's the old line of kick to a kick to a space, don't kick to a face. And if you're trying to just bomb it up and hope that somebody does something, it ain't going to work. If you can, all you're going to be able to do is sum it up quick enough to be able to say, there are the players, there's the contest. How do I favour person A relative to his opponent? And if you kick it to the space and somebody peels off another opponent or another one of your teammates peels off and can intercept, you're going, well, that's just good reading of the play by the defender. But if you're at least that putting happened, it to that a spot, happen that's a couple better times. That, that, yeah. And you sort of go, well, that's fair enough. Gorn did one where you went, yeah, you just chopped it off. That was the one where where he was in the corridor and they were all saying Mackay should have kicked to McGovern yeah. in the pocket. And in the end, he sort of kicked it long. And, and that was when Cripps tried to you know, almost risk busting his arm, landing on his face and getting suspended for cleaning <laughs> up um, Gorn. But yeah. the kick was, kick was to McGovern. So, oh, yeah, I think he just missed kicked and, it. And that was just a failure, yeah. But, yeah, like, yep. I don't know about you, Fab, but it was just we've done this for far too long for a, a supposedly professional outfit with the resources, with the time, with the talent that we've built. We, we just have have to figure this out. We have to figure it out immediately because... Well, hopefully it's just the 80-game factor. It's the 80-game factor. Yes, we train it. Yes, we talk about it. But it's not like it. they've not played they're... the game ever, Tim. It's not like we've picked them off no, no, the, the, the wharf. They've come from I, another I, I country and gone, here, here's a Guernsey. Yep. You're playing tomorrow. Yep. Like, but it, got guys, it was horrendous. It was horrendous, but you've got to give the assistant coaches a chance to be able to go through the film and take every single kid and go, right, freeze frame, what were you looking at? What were you thinking? And sometimes the decision may be sound, the execution was poor or whatever it needed to be, but there's just going to be, they're going to reiterate the space and your opportunity is here. Well, we've got guys too. What, what's so frustrating for me is we've got guys the ilk Eddie Betts, Jack Martin, and even to a lesser extent, David Cunningham has shown from time to time he's... Mr. Front and Centre. Mr. Front and Centre. He's shown at time to time his ability to read the ball and be in the right space and at least have the opportunity. Jack Silvani can do it as well. He's shown his ability to be in the right place. We give them 
next to no chance of being an impact because we just kick it to a if massive they, if they don't know, if, But if they don't know where it's going. No. But, you know, you need – and this goes back to, you know, under the Rats days when we had Satanta. We had people go, Satanta was shit. No, Satanta was playing the spot in a system that we knew we could play to. And it worked. Mm. But he also it, knew that his job was to make sure the ball came to ground. Yeah. Like, but I'm saying, if you can we, market, market, but don't get outmarked. Our, our system was to play through him. He straightened us up. He allowed Beth, Scarlett, and Yaron when he was down there. There's the focal point. That's where I've got to go. We don't know where we're going now because it's just a kick in hope. And you can't play to that. You need some sort of system, structure, and understanding of what's happening. Fab, it's like um, you, you'll like you'll like this one. It's like when, <clears throat> like when United used to play Arsenal, and you just used to laugh. You just used to go, keep lobbing those balls into the box, Arsenal, because Vidic, Rio, they're just heading it out. You're just lobbing yep. it up. They're just heading it back out. Keep doing it. Do it all day. If I and then they change, then they change, and they went to a system where they try to pass the ball into the back of the net. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Keep doing from, it. Don't shoot. You've gone from one extreme <laughs> to the other. You've, you've <laughs> gone way too far. But look, that, that is, to me, our starts uh, are obviously priority number one because we can't keep doing what we've been doing. And right behind it, right behind it is is that forward 50. They call it the mid-forward connection. Right behind it's that because we showed the one where Walsh hit up um, McGovern on the lead was really good football. We obviously yep. saw a little bit later on where uh, we worked the ball through the middle quickly as well on the break, and Jack Martin was able to kick the ball to Levi's advantage, running back to goal. That was good as well. You sort of go, we can do it, but we can't just keep kicking to giant packs. Yeah. Um, they, that, that'll, that works from centre clearance. Yes. Boom and bounce, get it, bomb it long, and we've got the cattle to do, you know, to handle that situation. But when we're moving it a bit more methodically, we have to be better than that. Uh, does anyone else? Does anyone have any pressing chicken? Any more pressing chicken shits? The the only two things I wanted to add, and I, it doesn't really change the result and everything that went prior to it. But the two bits, two elements late in the game that just upset me incredibly were, well, there was three actually. There was the kick inside fifty when Betts engaged Gorn. And it meant McGovern flew almost uncontested and dropped the mark. He yeah. just had to take it. Yep. And he takes the mark, he kicks the goal. But then afterwards, when the ball goes free, Betts lays a tackle on Stephen May. And, and I know they said at the start of last year, the interpretation was, if you lay a tackle and the ball spills free, we're going to encourage it to be called play on. But to me, he hasn't disposed of the ball. He's been tackled. To me, it's holding the ball. Now, now maybe that's me getting it wrong, but in the absolute instant, you've gone like as he tackled him, the ball came free. I thought, beauty, but he's got a shot on goal. And then, the, and and then all of a sudden, you've realised in watching it, they haven't blown the whistle. And sometimes, when the ball spills free, you end up winning it. You kick the goal anyway. It kind of doesn't matter. But we missed an opportunity at scoring in that situation, and and it, and it shouldn't have happened. It, it, it should have been our shot on goal, and that annoyed me. And then a little bit later, there was a long kick in from Stephen May where Casbolt just completely outbodied. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was all body. And no, 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 no hands, no arms. And even if there was a little bit of hands, they said, we're relaxing the hands in the back rule. Whereas if you can hold your position and be the stronger athlete and, um, and 
And, and the thing is, they'll replay it, and the, the, the umpiring bosses will go, oh, no, no, he pushed him back, and they'll justify that it was the right decision. But realistically, he beat him in the contest, he took the mark, you go back and take your kick. But Gorn half fell and, you know, made it look, hammed it up, made it look worse than what it was, and, of course, he could do whatever he wants. And you just sit there and you're going, while we still would, probably would have bombed it to numbers, and it wouldn't have necessarily helped us, um, at least in that instance, that was one more chance inside 50. And when you lose by a point, gee, you know, it doesn't take much, does it? Well, one of our followers actually made a, a really good point that I hadn't hadn't considered in the moment. Um, I thought St- Stephen May was dead to rights holding the ball. But uh, Adrian Jazaro uh, made a really good point on Twitter. He goes, without a crowd... It's all sliding doors, I get it, but without a crowd, if that moment plays out in front of 35,000 people... And it's Eddie, and everyone's... 20,000 20, people are feverishly yelling, ball. Ball. And they're the yeah. old, and how's got, that? And you got and you got three umpires. Yeah. The blokes who didn't play it at the time might have missed it, but one of the other two have gone. Yeah, that's It's the classic... Fab wouldn't know this, obviously, doesn't watch too much cricket, but it's the old one, Timbo, when you go to India and the Indians just appeal everything. Everything. Because it, it ratchets the crowd up. It makes the, the umpires nervous. It gets this tension and this energy. Yep. Was, I don't know if... And Harbour Jam was the best at it. Oh, my God. The, <laughs> oh, the ball could go through untouched. He's appealing for something. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it was an interesting point from Adrian and one that I completely agreed with when I, when I read it. I went, yeah, it's absolutely bang on the money. That's one of those classic yeah. decisions that without a crowd there to give the umpire the cue... Oh, maybe that is holding the ball. It, it, it's it was to our detriment, no yeah. doubt. Um, quickly, quickly touching on Harbour Johnson. Right. I don't know much about cricket. I I was picking up takeaway from Everest Indian restaurant in uh, Fairfield, and oh mate, Harbour John walked in while I was in the uh, in the foyer. What? Unbelievable. Do you know Do you know what his nickname was uh, Fabian? No. He was the Turbinator, <laughs> which to this day this? I love. Yeah, oh, actually, that's Fabian's actually yeah. Fabian's actually got his Bollywood glasses there. Um, <laughs> all he needs is what was that disgusting T-shirt brand in the in the mid two thousands? That really gaudy, just vile, awful T-shirt brand had like dragons and fucking diamantes and shit all over. Oh, it, it was uh, Ed Hardy. Ed Hardy. All he needs is an Ed Hardy T-shirt and that those sunglasses. <laughs> Wow. So Harbhajan Singh walked in this Indian restaurant in Fairfield. When was this? This would have been... The only way you would have... Rep- the only way you could have possibly recognised him if he was wearing his cricket whites. I was working at Cardinal at the time. Didn't I? No, yeah. no it, it was him. Because they, they were all... When he walked in, it was just the place went nuts. Oh, okay. But the, but the, the restaurant had a lot of... Like, they dined there quite regularly, so... um. Well, Tim, where was there? There was that famous Indian restaurant um, in the city where they all went yep. similarly. Cricketers and they, everyone went to this restaurant. And I think they might have enc- encountered some issues with the uh, health board. The health board, <laughs> unfortunately for them, um, recently. But uh, it was I mean, like we, the Bay of Bengal or yeah, something. Yeah, was who, was hasn't, who, hasn't, who hasn't encountered such problems? Um, <laughs> is that is that where we're doing uh, chicken shits? Are we happy with that? Where that sits? Yeah, I don't want. Like, there's, there's a few other things I was disappointed with, but they're more individual. I don't like hit a pot players who, yep, had bad games who don't typically cough up or, or put out that type of. 
performance. So um, you know what's disappointing I'll, to me. I'll, I'll let it slide. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it to abuse on the text messages between us. <laughs> yes, please do. And that's just venting. I mean, that's yeah, hundred minutes of footy. You're gonna you're gonna have more. Whatever we down to now. Yeah, well, there, there, there's going to be instances. I crucified Sam Walsh and. and and Doc in the last minute. Doc for the oh, handball. Doc for the handball. Yeah. Doc for the handball and Walsh for the delivery inside 50. That's just in the moment. But, our, um, uh, our, yeah, gr- our group text is it's a safe place for a lot of opinions that probably just need some time to mature, I think. Yeah, and they're not, and they're not just Carlton opinions. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> the one thing I will say, you mentioned Sam Walsh there. I think that Carlton for a long time, because we've been a really struggling club for a long time, we have got to get out of this... this Bent we've got. Messiah is a great word for it, but against young players. You know, I was engaged in a, in a pretty vigorous, but fair, not not nasty, but a, a pretty um, back-and-forth conversation over the weekend uh, about certain players, one of them being Paddy Dow. And you sit there and you go, the bottom line is this kid is 20 years old. Yeah. He's played 38 or something, is it 40 games in an awful team, in an awful part of the ground for that team. We have no midfield depth. And he's been brought in, and geez, mate, you got to fuck, geez, you got to give us something. You got to, you got to, man, if it's up to you. You got to, you got to play at the level of a Murphy or a Cripps or whoever. And you go, that's just unrealistic. Yeah. For a and, kid. and if you get that player, you're going, oh my god, we got to, we got to blow for the ages. So. You know exactly right, and yeah. it just annoys me. Well, one of the guys was saying, how is it a worry that you know Dow, O'Brien, and Stocker aren't playing? And I sort of thought to myself, these are three guys with five preseasons between them. Yes. That's the reality. You know, yes, would we like them to be playing starting eighteen football and dominating? You know, as Tim, you've alluded to, fucking yes, that'd be unbelievable. How long? How long did it take Luke Shuey to really find his feet at West Coast? Playing in better teams than those guys have been exposed to as well. Yep. Dom Sheed took a long, long time, and he was playing a little bit on the half forward line, barely could crack it in that midfield. Which, granted, it's a very hard midfield to get into. He's still not guaranteed a game, did they? No, he's not. And and this is the thing, like their best footy. Like I really rate Shuey, and and Shuey, Shuey lost a sister, um, in a car in a car crash. Accident. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, and so that um, along with injuries was a massive um, impediment in his ability to be able to settle and and play good footy. Um, so he's not a good example at all. Um, but it still took him a long, long time just to go from being a, a good utility come midfielder to becoming a bona fide midfielder, which is what he was always drafted to become. And look, there are other players that hit the ground running. You know, Matt Rowell obviously had a fantastic game too last he, night. And, Timbo, and he is a, a man. He's a man child. Yeah, he's a man. He, he was exceptional yeah. last night. He was best man he on the ground. He will get three votes on Brownlow night. But yep. I have not seen an 18-year-old kid be more physically ready than him. He is a man. Not not as a midfielder anyway. I, I remember seeing folks like Brett Spinks come in as like an 18, 19-year-old centre forward at West Coast who looked like he'd been juicing for four years. <laughs> <laughs> came through, was an absolute behemoth. But I think the, the point the point sort of making with our young guys is we're all impatient. We're all sick of losing. Yep. We all want to see improvement. But by the same and, token... And we think early draft picks are the panacea. Yep. And not to say... You miss on some at all, but certainly players take time, and and there have been a select few that have spoiled it for everybody else. You know, Judd played straight away and was a jet. Daniel Rich played straight away and was a very good player. 
Connor Rosie, Sam Walsh, they've stepped in. They've been great footballers straight away. But they don't all do that. No. And that's the thing. I hate when people, after everything is done, Sam Walsh. Mm. And like we said, we invent on the text. Find yourself a group text and vent on a group text. Twitter is a public forum. People who are unleashing on Sam Walsh and then dickheads like your mate Kane Corn. Oh. The minute the minute Sam Walsh isn't BOG and Connor Rose, Connor Rose was phenomenal last night. He was had a brilliant game. He was playing Adelaide though. Exactly, but this whole thing comes. It just it just it shits me to tears. But but he's taken a stand and has said Rosie's a game breaker. Um, Walsh will be a very good footballer, but I think Rosie has an X factor that will make him a better player than Sam Walsh. And I can completely appreciate yeah. um, his stance. I get, he's also saying it's a shock, but he's also been a South Australian bloke that saw Rosie come through and there was this, this group of young South Australian players that were at an exceptional crop. He's seen him. He knows what he can do. His ability, once he stepped into senior footy, has been entirely franked. And he's been able to get on board the South Australian hero ahead of the guy with the hype. And and Kane just likes to provide a different opinion, whether it's whether it's true, whether it's justified, whether it's appropriate. Sometimes actually doesn't matter. But this is his hobby horse, and he's going to ride it for the next decade. And all we've got to do is recognise that it is what it is. Connor Rose, he might win a couple of Brownlows, he might win Mark of the Year, he might do a few other things, and if he does, that's great. But Connor Rose doesn't help us win that game yesterday, whereas I still think Sam Walsh probably could have. No, I agree. And, and look, my point... Wouldn't have minded Connor Rosie late in the game. Man, <laughs> look, my, my point is just entirely built around the notion that we as a club have had an awful knack and a habit that we need to break of killing these young kids too early, writing them off, and absolutely um, ransacking any sense of confidence they might have. And look, I would just plead as best I can for just a bit of patience, a bit of perspective, and just sit there and go, look, what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve, we don't get there taking a young guy like Paddy Dow and just eviscerating him. Taking a guy like Sam Walsh, who had a couple of errors... Do you reckon Dustin Martin's first two years of footy was any better than what Paddy Dow did? I'd say no. We look at. In, he, in fact, even, he wasn't even playing midfield at the time because he didn't have an engine that allowed him to do it. He's still not playing midfield. Um, yeah. But even you look at a guy like Cam Rayner who goes number one in that draft, and it is just a number, it is just a pick. What you then do with those players to develop them is entirely up to the club, and that is a place or, or an area of our football club we have been really ordinary for far too long. Hopefully that is... Uh, turning and shading for the better, I do think it is. But Cam Rayner was averaging eight or nine touches last year Yeah, in a team that finished top four. Darcy Parrish has taken a really, really long time to find his feet for a top five draft pick and kick the winning goal today, which yeah. was a beautiful bit of footy. But it's been a long, long time. It's been Parrish a long, long time. Well. To, well, he's a different footballer too. But, um, but yeah, Parrish, to his credit, showed something, but he's, is he in his fifth season now, Paris, or is it? He would be, would so, he? Yeah. He's, is he weathering stuff? Yeah. his fifth year? Yeah. So you're going, well, he's, he's three years ahead of Dow, and yeah. yeah. So Dow's sort of the poster boy at the moment. We've always had the whipping boys uh, in recent times, whether it be, you know, Murph for a little bit, Gibbs was a big one, Jordan Russell was a big one. Guys that we seem to get too bogged down, um, 
constantly calling out and criticising the flaws as opposed to celebrating and acknowledging what he can do and what he can offer. Um, and I can only imagine what that would do for a young guy that's low on confidence as is um, and he's potentially lacking in a little bit of belief. He, he needs not unwavering support. He doesn't need you know to be um, showered in, in platitudes that are unearned, but we've seen enough of what Paddy Dow can do. As an example of a young player we have, Stocker's another, O'Brien's another, Let's just let's just you know not not put a line through them. Yeah. At this stage of their even careers. though you're ready to put a line through Cunningham and Lang yesterday. Well, that was the rash. Well, no, 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 no. It's Lang, I, I get it. I just Lang, oh, the no. line. The line. I don't want to. I don't want to kill the boy. The line was through last year, Timber. He was on the list because he contracted. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. He must have trained the fucking house down. He never has any intensity. We don't want to make this the Darcy Lang hour. But you've even noticed, like when he's moving around the ground. He just he's like he moves at this frustratingly uninspiring metronomic pace. Where you just sort he of just like, reminds me of the bloke who took Marge Simpson to the prom. Artie Ziff. What was his name? Yeah, it's just, just, oh, just I don't know why he reminds me of him. <laughs> I don't see it, but I appreciate the reference. Yeah. Anyway, have you, have you got anything else, else to say? The Cunningham thing was in the sanctity of that safe space that is the group text. When he's apologies, as th- you were thinking, <laughs> thinking, fucking hell, Cunners, we haven't kicked a goal yet. It's, the, <laughs> it's two minutes to go in this half. You better fucking kick this, mate. Yeah. Um, and and that was the ironic thing is is you knew that he you knew that he would, but he absolutely had to. And of course, when he did, you've gone well. That's what you're supposed to do, and any other AFL footballer would too. But there was. There were layers of undertones in behind that play that said that was that was a must kick goal. <laughs> I just thought as soon as he picked it up, I went, "He better not even intimate that he's passing this fucker off. He better kick this, yeah, yeah. or I'm going to drive yeah. to Eddie Had be, and be waiting for him." Um, with the ruthlessness you talked about before, Sean, and that's that's just what we have to have. Absolutely, um, I think that sort of just about wraps us up, really. Unless we have any further points to add, Fabian. No. No, you're good. Timbo? Oh, no, just love talking to you guys. I'm so glad that we've been able to do it. It's been far too long, and uh, may we get to do it a lot more and a lot more often. I can can agree with those sentiments, I suppose. Yeah, I can get behind that. It's good to be back. Good to have footy back. Absolutely. Um, We're obviously back at it. uh, uh, Same bat time, same bat channel next Saturday uh, down the highway to face Geelong, so a good test in a way. Um, Is it an afternoon game? 7.40. 7.40. Yeah, 7.40. So, look, 7.40 and they're expecting two to six mil of rain fantastic. that day, so it might be wet. It's outstanding. My grandmother's 93rd birthday, so fingers crossed we can bring it home for her. What's her name? Lucia. She a big, Lucia. Blue? big Blues fan? She always liked Carlton because of us, because of the grandkids, although her other grandkids are Hawthorne fans, but she's Carlton, but... Uh, she had a soft spot for Sydney Swans because her friends were the grandparents of Peter Philandia back in the day. Oh, no. The old scrotum biter. So, um, <laughs> so that, yeah. And Sydney used to be played on Sundays a lot. So, Tim, um, spoke earlier, a of a... Tim, Tim spoke earlier about having 22 balls. Wow. <laughs> well, it, it would be less it of a risk if you were around Peter. <laughs> it would have turned into, into Pac-Man. <laughs> you know, buffet, the old well, sizzler, all you can eat. To Lucia. I'll, I'll pass that on. I'll and Sante Aguri also. 
I think that just about... You've lost, you've lost Sean. Sean hasn't said a word. Doesn't sort of word you've said, I don't even but... know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for tuning in for another ep. It's been uh, greatly appreciated. We always love having you. Do uh, get in touch. We always encourage that. We've been brought to you always by MGA Traffic. If you're building something or unhappy with a roundabout, just give them a bell. They'll fix it. Well, not personally. We'll, we'll, we'll design it. We'll send some other people out there. We'll send the high out there. It depends how, how keenly Fab wants the money. He might come out and do it himself. For Fabian, the big Fubba Ganoush, Rule 46, never touch another man's driving position, Fabian. It's been a pleasure to have you again. And for Timbo, Dr. Davis, World Health Organization number one man. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Sean. Look forward to it. Go Blues. Excellent. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye. I hope.